Uh, Psalm 129 this morning, we're, we're continuing on in our series of the Psalms of Ascents. And uh, these Psalms uh, have been a blessing to me, and I hope that they have to you. I think we're about the 10th Psalm um, going through this series. And, and this one, um, it speaks of some things that are, I think are relevant to every single person in this room, as the Bible does in, in all cases. But um, today in particular, I, I hope and believe that um, it will minister to your heart. And just in, by way of review, where we're at with these psalms and what they're all about. Um, they're a collection of songs that were written by various authors. Some we know clearly, um, like King David or, or his son Solomon. Others are anonymous, and probably for good reason. This one happens to be anonymous, and um, it's not attributed to one person, but it's an author who kind of tells the nation's story and in probably many ways tells our story. Um, it's a psalm, and as we read it, 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 it leaves us a little bit dangling, kind of like a, a little bit of a mystery sort of hanging there a little bit, and, and you'll see it. You know, sometimes you, you read a, a passage of Scripture, and it ties in a nice pretty bow, and other times it leaves a little open-ended. You, you follow me? And it's always the temptation of the pastor to try to tie a bow where there's not a bow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best just to open God's Word this morning, and I do believe that the Holy Spirit can work through every ounce of what uh, he wants to bring to us today. And so at any rate, as, as we look at this psalm, it's a psalm that celebrates the faithfulness of God, as every psalm will. And, and I've said this before, that whenever we read the Bible, there's many questions that we can ask. But in our takeaways, we want to take away, what did I learn about the character and nature of God? What did I learn about his character and nature? And secondly, what did I learn about myself, right? And, and it's, it's part of the application of Scripture. We can become students of the Word and know a lot about it, but, but the aim of Scripture and the aim of these times as we're worshiping together is how can I know Him more as a result of this? How do I walk out of this room knowing Him more? And, and, and truly knowing a little bit more about myself, too, and how who He is changes who I am. How many of you want to change some stuff in your life? Yeah? Good. The rest of you guys, you need to think about that. <laughs> You need to think about it. <laughs> no, but it's true that there are, are plenty of things in my life that, that I want to change. Um, and, and the more that we grow in relationship with God, the aim is that we're growing into the, the likeness of Jesus. We have a model there. We don't have to compare ourselves to the person on the right or the person on the left as much as that comes natural to us. But we have Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith, and he's the great example, and he teaches us how to be humans. And so, um, so today, uh, and, and in many of these psalms, um, you, you really can get a sense of the humanity, things that are common to all of us, and, and particularly for the nation of Israel, a nation that has been uh, so persecuted and so afflicted. And when you read these words, you, you hear the very heart of the author who understood um, just what God had done in his nation, but also what they'd experienced. And so I've given enough of a build-up to, to say that, um, let me just read it, but, but three words that I'm going to hopefully be able to reinforce throughout our time together this morning is first, lament. I want to say it, lament. Yes. Lament. Uh, secondly, um, perseverance. perseverance. And third, resilience. resilience. Yeah, those last two words are, are, are kind of like a... Um, a lack in our society today, perseverance and resilience. You know, my, my, the mailman uh, came to my house yesterday and I, w- I was working at my house and I was all, you know, just sweaty and sawdust all over me. And, and he looked at me and he goes, it's good that you work. <laughs> I said, thank you. 
He says, do you own this house? I said, I do. He's like, well, that's because you worked. And I said, yes, I did. And he goes, no one likes to work. And I said, that's true. And he says, I'm working today because like five people called in. And, and I'm like, well, the sun is shining. You know, there's some point it's like, I ain't working today. I'm going to the beach or whatever else. So there's this like collective um, kind of sigh of frustration over people like, Who, why doesn't anybody want to work? You know, there's this lack of perseverance, this lack of resilience instead of facing hard stuff and growing through the resistance of hard stuff. There's a, a like, I ain't doing that. And somehow, in some way, um, for many in culture today, we've bought into the idea of just stay away from anything difficult, right? Stay away from anything difficult. There used to be a saying that was common, um, no pain, no gain. Remember that? Now it's just no pain. It's just no pain. <laughs> and we hear it throughout every facet of our lives. And so, when I came to this passage, I was like, oh, man, I love the, like, I could dream again passage. And, you know, like, let's celebrate. Listen to what it says in this one. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. And in the invitation, let Israel say. That means, hey, all of us join in in this song. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Yes, um, excuse me, they have afflicted me, and then it changes the tone a little bit and says, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. And then there's this response from the psalmist. This is where some are in question of what does this really mean, but he says, may all who hate Zion, um, and speaking of the nation of Israel, uh, be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder sheaves in his arms, nor those who pass away say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Period. End of psalm. No, search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. No, like little bow on it. Just straight passion against the injustice that the nation had experienced. And I, as I said before, there's probably no nation on the earth that it has experienced the kind of, of affliction that Israel's have, uh, been afflicted with. Just for the author here, it's more than likely they wrote it during the time after the Babylonian exile, the time of like Ezra and Nehemiah, where the nation's like rebuilding after, after being taken away for 70 years. But that doesn't mention all the ites in the Bible, you know, the Canaanites, Amorites, Perizzites, Parasites, whatever, all of them that had done things like to the nation, like, here's all of our beautiful agriculture and fields. And before you could pick one of those vegetables and eat it yourself, come in and reap all that harvest and you don't get to eat what you worked for. The, the, the stuff that we read in the Old Testament that's like, what? You know, it's, it's raw. And so there no doubt speaking of, of just in retrospect of, of what God has done, and that when it, when it uses that word, many are the afflictions that have happened since my youth. It's a word in the Hebrew language that talks about frequent, so it talks about like the number and the degree. So it's a lot of affliction, and it's bad affliction. And then it gives like this agricultural analogy of, of plowing, right? You know what plowing is, right? It's, you know, you're digging a, a hole in a field. You're, you're loosening up that ground in order to be able to put that seed in. And the analogy that it gives here 
is they did, they're doing that on my back, and they've done that on my back for a long time since my youth. But it's not just like, a, am, I, am I building up this pain thing pretty good here? Sorry. It's, it's not just like a little bit. It's they're going deep and long across my back. And it, it leaves you in that for a moment, but then it brings you to this point of being able to see, but they have not prevailed against me. If there's ever been a nation that's, I mean, there's never been a nation more afflicted, but, but it's fair to say, I don't know of another nation that's more resilient. A nation that exists today, 0.2% of the world would say that they were of Jewish lineage. That's like 16 million people in a world of 8 billion people. And yet the influence of the, the nation of Israel or people who are of Jewish um, descent is significant on this earth. Wouldn't you agree, Phyllis? Yes. <laughs> no, but wouldn't you agree? And so there's something that you're, you're, you're discerning from this psalm of great affliction, but the, the resistance to giving up, so perseverance, and then also the gain that comes in the area of resilience. Um, I think that, that what, what I had really wrestled with and really sat in as I was reading this psalm, especially those first two parts, were a gratitude in my heart that the Bible doesn't dismiss affliction. The Bible doesn't dismiss it. Meaning the Bible doesn't say, oh, bad stuff happens, just you know, go on with it. But, but the author of this psalm says, hey, it's happened a lot and bad. And come on, everybody join in, sing it with me. Right? It's like when the worship leader, just the ladies, you know, just the men, sing it here. Like, come on, bring it out. It's this, um, it's this acknowledgement that it happened, okay? And I just want to take a little bit of a pause here in terms of application because I think it's important for all of us. I was thinking back on a, like a time where I, I'd experienced some things that I would call affliction for me. And, and how do you define affliction? You know, it's just bad stuff that's going on in your life. And, and so, you know, you might try to compare, oh, it's nothing compared to that person or whatever else. It's the affliction, and sometimes that, those points of affliction get to a spot where you're like, man, i got to talk to somebody. I need to get some of this stuff off my chest. And I remember talking to a trusted person, a believer, and someone I respected, who I know I'd get biblical counsel from. And you know, when I, when I spoke with them and I shared, hey, this is what's been going on, and it's just eating me up. And I remember that that person stopped and they looked at me, and they just go, wow, man, that's a lot. What you've been going through is a lot. And you know what that did to me? It just pushed a button where it just, like, like stupid cry. Not just like, yes, but just like, you know, full face cry. Why did it do that? Because somebody acknowledged affliction in my life, and I knew I wasn't crazy, and I knew I wasn't off. They were able to say, you know, that's a lot. And it wasn't fake. It wasn't fake. And I say all that to say, I really don't remember everything else about that meeting. I don't remember, and I'm, I'm certain I got good advice. I'm certain I got some good tools. At this point, and even as I reflected, I don't remember exactly what was said. What I remember was somebody helped me lament. Somebody helped me go, that was a lot. Because what do we do? When we're going through great affliction, we're like, ah, but it's nothing compared to what's going on in the Sudan. 
oh, but yeah, I'm fine. You know, it's, it's actually no big deal. God is greater. And he is. But there come certain moments in our life where freedom comes as a result of being able to do what the nation was doing in this moment. Because you remember, these are psalms of ascent. These are heart preparations to go on this journey into a place of worship to kind of recalibrate three times a year. And so it's no wonder that they were recalibrating along in the journey thinking, oh man, some afflictions happened. I got to get this stuff off my chest. I want to give you just a very simple definition of lament. And I also want to free you and give you the, um, I don't need to give you permission, but the Bible gives you permission. There's an entire book written called what? Lamentations. You don't have to live under the identity of your pain or affliction, but you also don't want to brush it so far under the rug, pretending that it's not there, realizing that it's eating you up from inside. There comes a place to be able to do what the Bible says. And and let me just give you this quick definition, if, if we have it, of lament. Lament is simply a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, or confusion. Has anyone in the room ever gone through sorrow, pain, or confusion? Okay, so, so many are the afflictions that have happened since my youth. Let's all sing it, right? Many are the afflictions, yet they haven't prevailed against me. You're not weak because you've experienced affliction. You're not broken because you've experienced affliction. There's not something wrong with you because you've experienced affliction. Affliction comes to God's people And we don't have the big answer as to why outside of knowing that we live in what? A fallen world that results in sin. Some sins that we choose upon our, we bring into our own lives, causing consequence to come into our life, although forgiven, yet still consequence of action. And other times, affliction comes because an evil idea somebody else has that impacts our lives. These are big philosophical things to wrestle through. And it's not the intent of this morning. The intent of this morning is to free us in the area and say, hey, don't dismiss it, but also be careful that that doesn't become your identity. What I exp- expressed to you was uh, the angst in my heart over the affliction that it caused me to do something. And what that person did for me by saying, wow, man, that's a lot. It wasn't patronizing me. It was helping me learn how to lament. It was somebody helping me to go, hey, I'm going to, come on, Dan, you couldn't do this on your own. Let's take this sorrow together to the Lord in prayer. And so lament is powerful about that. Um, So I I just put in my notes, um, I needed someone to help me process through the pain, but but, um, lamenting is not ignoring the pain or affliction. It's not diminishing the pain or affliction. It's not even explaining it. Sometimes we, we have a, a, a need to make sense of nonsense. We have a need to go, oh, I don't want, and so we're like, well, and so we'll make an excuse for why the thing happened, or maybe it was a, a betrayal of some sort, or whatever it was, it's somebody else's choice against you. We, uh, the lament is not trying to figure out why they did it or make an excuse or a reason to make some sense in our mind. A lament is an acknowledgement, an expression of that sorrow to God in prayer. So it's not diminishing it, it's not explaining it, it's expressing it to God in prayer. You know, I was thinking about this, um, there are common themes that, that occur when, when you're, like in, in my role as a pastor, there's a privileged opportunity that I have to be what somebody else was for me in that moment for some of you. 
And it is a tremendous privilege. And there's a common story that we have, I think, as, as humans. And the story is, man, if you only understood how long this has gone on and how much I've gone through since for so long. I don't think anyone really understands how deep this stuff is. And, and that story is reflected in this psalm. Many are the afflictions since my youth. Now, I don't want to leave us in this, like, ugh, position. But I also don't want to just go, and happy, 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 happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You know what I mean? It's not the, I thought that would be funnier than it really was. <laughs> but, but it's, 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 it's not the, the goal to bring it to a quick resolve. It's the goal to let us sit in that for just a moment. But that's not where we live. The, the other words that I wanted to define, and I'll continue hopefully to break open some of this passage to us, is um, perseverance. Perseverance. We can lament and, and deal with some of the things that are heavy upon our hearts. Um, it, it gives us the freedom to see the character and the faithfulness of God. And if I'm able to get through my notes well, and the New Testament brings a whole new lens for us to look at affliction and see it in perspective to, the, to eternity and the greatness of God. But perseverance is doing something despite the difficulty or delay in achieving success. You know, it, it, perseverance, um, it's... It's not trying something once really, really hard. It's trying something 29,000 times and not giving up. And, and how many of you know that in our life of faith, that it's almost like our Sunday, our Wednesday is like, I'm going to give it another shot, right? We're, we sometimes come in, we're, we're parking in the parking lot, we're, you know, <laughs> fixing our eyebrows, just kidding. Whenever, whenever we come in. <laughs> We come in just going, I'm going for it. I'm going to do it again, right? I'm gonna, and the do it again is not show up to check the church boxes to go, I'm, I might have had a difficult week. I've tried all week to, to pray. I've tried all week to read. I've tried all week to share my faith. I've tried all week not to sin. I've tried all week to be a nicer person, whatever it is. And, and maybe there's been some successes and some failures, but it's like, I ain't given up. I'm still showing up to my community to be able to be built up so that I can get out there again and give it my all. That's perseverance. 365 times a year, every single day, I'm giving it my all. The other key word that came through this, resilience. Resilience is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. Semicolon, toughness. Toughness. No pain, no gain. I don't think God delights for a moment in any affliction that you've ever experienced. Not for a moment. Nor should anybody else. But I think if we read the Bible, we see the redemption of pain. We see that it's the, the, the pressures, the, the, the things that, that pull the difficulties that build a spiritual muscle called resilience. Resilience is the ability to bounce back. Right? So that when you, when you are knocked down, you, you remember, oh yeah, I can get back up. The lack of resilience is being knocked down and staying down. The, the common story that I, I was sharing earlier about, man, you would have no idea of the things that I've experienced. I don't. You know, I've, I know the ones that I've experienced. But, but, but the common story, too, is often, I'm like this close, giving up. What's the point? 
Sometimes it's the story of like, man, everything was going really good until I started following Jesus. Anybody have that story? When I was a happy sinner before, but when I gave my life to Jesus, things really started getting difficult. Resilience, perseverance, pursuit of God's truth, pursuit of God's glory, pursuit of obedience every single day. And when you don't feel like it and you realize, I've been down for a minute. Resilience is the thing that goes, I can bounce back up because of God's grace, because of the strength that he empowers us with. Does this make sense to anybody? Okay, thank you, all four of you. (laughs) It goes on, and greatly they afflicted me from my youth. Verse 3, the plowers plowed upon my back and they made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. Do you know that in that word righteous is wrapped into the word justice, right? His righteousness, he is a just God. And I love this line that he's cut the cords of the wicked. I wrote down these kind of takeaways from this point in my study. I just thought, well, I'm going to give them to you. The first thing is this, that you're not defined by your affliction. It's not, oh, that's so-and-so, the one who fill in the blank. You're not defined by your affliction. Secondly, that I think, and what you are defined by, I think it's more important, it's not just the what you're not, but what you are defined by is that you're loved by God, that you're accepted in the beloved, things that you know. But when I was reading that Isaiah 62, where God changes the name of the nation of Israel, no longer desolate, no longer wounded, but a new name, I was reading through it, and I loved this idea that you are splendor in the Lord's hand, that you are a royal diadem. A, diadem, a precious, something precious in the, in the hand of God. That was how he saw his nation, and that's extended to you as those followers of Christ that are grafted in. So your identity or your definition of who you are is not your affliction. Your afflictions are not your destiny either. They are your experience, and they are to be lamented, but they're not your destiny. Do you know that? You know, when it's long, like the nation of Israel, when it's, when it's difficult, ongoing, it sometimes feels that way. But your destiny is different. God's at work in your life. And according to the Bible, your very strengths, excuse me, your very weaknesses can be your strengths when submitted to the Lord. This last one, your afflictions are not wasted, they're redeemed. They become the resistance that builds the muscle of perseverance that allows resilience in your life. Can you just stop for a minute and just look at that and think about that? How that might relate to you? And I always say it's so much easier to relate it to somebody else that we know that goes through difficult stuff. But, you know, the the, the point of God's word is to apply it to our heart. Have there been moments where you've taken on an identity in, in, in your affliction? Have there been moments where you've seen, man, this is all there's going to be and that's just it? A destiny of affliction? Can you just take a moment and be encouraged by the fact that God doesn't waste an ounce of pain? He doesn't waste an ounce of pain. These are tender things, no doubt. And as I said before, it's so much more fun to talk about the, the joy of the Lord that's our strength. But these are the deep issues that families were singing about as they were preparing to walk this long journey to worship. They were, they were remembering 
who God was in the, in the midst of the realities of the world and the things that they suffered. As we you know, shift gears a little bit, the New Testament um, gives some, some perspective on affliction. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's a song that, that sings these lyrics, and so you might remember it from some time in the 90s, I think, or the early 2000s. But it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's in the context of these super apostles who, you know, they looked great, but they were, didn't have the substance. And Paul's in response to that saying, hey, this power of God comes in these really ordinary, everyday vessels like me and you. You know, one of the things I love that I believe that God is dealing with in, in our culture today is just sort of... Um, dealing with the concept of celebrity Christians, you know? Those that are just super successful and way up here on a pedestal somewhere that maybe one day we could dress like, sing like, talk like, brush our hair like, wear skinny jeans like, thank God that that moved on. And, you know, I really believe that God is doing a, a corrective sweep in that area Yes, there are some that he's called to prominent leadership, and, and you know, that's, that's fine. But he doesn't have celebrities that we should so highly esteem that we want to be just like them. He has a great cloud of witnesses that we look to as examples of how to persevere in the midst of significant affliction. Are you with me? Let all God's people say. I'm just kidding. Okay, so here we go. We have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Now listen to this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Do you see what the Bible's doing for us? The Bible's helping us to say, hey, don't deny that affliction happens, but get a Christ-like perspective. See it through the lenses of what Jesus has done through resurrection power. This is the list for me. I realize that I'm not crushed, and nor are you. That I'm not driven to despair. That I'm not forsaken, and I'm not destroyed. And, and because of those things, I can build resilience, and I can keep persevering Keep persevering one foot in front of the other for the sake and for the glory of God and for the sake of his kingdom and the role and the purpose that he has for my life and the same for you. Can't you imagine, man, if the enemy could get a church to just fall asleep, the enemy could get a church to just, you know, see a different identity than is what is true in scripture, to maybe only get a piece of this word and go, yep, we're afflicted. But not to go, I acknowledge it and I leave it before God and God help me process and walk through it, but help me to see the other side of that affliction. And so I I do believe that um, God has something for us in this, but I couldn't help but but just the timing of this psalm. And um, I wanted to just share this story with you. So um, one of our missionaries that we support, uh, you've heard her and she is amazing. Her and her husband both are just powerhouse uh, her husband, uh, this is Susie Childers, Paul Childers, who's preached here, who's got like the New Testament memorized, like literally. I'm not even kidding. He gets up at four in the morning and just for the first two hours of his day, he just works on memory. He runs a ministry called Word by Heart, teaching other people to recite the Bible um, in long, uh, you know, like, like teaching, literally teaching 12 and 13 year olds to just speak the Bible for an hour and a half. 
just by memory. It's amazing, right? I, I'm, I, I know I just said this whole thing of like, we shouldn't have like these celebrity Christians, but I'm like, whoa! His wife, Susie, who does photojournalism throughout the globe, um, recording and telling the stories of the oppressed people in places that you or I would never want to go. She's like, sign me up, airdrop me, whatever I got to do. Her stories are amazing. Nine months pregnant in the Amazon forest, like taking pictures of injustice, making beautiful prints, telling stories, and, and advocating for change in nations. It's tremendous. The people God's connected us with. So Susie, and we were able, because of your generosity, to help their family um, with a financial need. And so in response, she was said, I'm so grateful. I want to send you a print. I'm like, oh, Susie, shoulder picture. I can't wait to see what comes. And I'd kind of forgotten about it. We get this big box and, and, um, and Lisa brings it up to my office. It's the most beautiful picture. Here's the picture. It doesn't do justice. I put it up in my office. Isn't that remarkable? She has such an ability to just capture a, a, a person because she doesn't just come with a, a, a camera. She has awesome cameras, obviously, but, but she comes with her, her heart and she gets to know the people and then she like, tells their story through a photograph. And so this picture came and I was like, it's a big one. It's, it's a large print. And I had this other large print in my office, and, and, and it was like an, a picture of a bridge, you know. It was really, it's really cool. I got it at, at Ikea. If you, if you want it, I'll sell it to you after. But because what I did was I took it off, and I put that one on real quick before anyone else claimed it, didn't I, Lisa? I'm like, this is not going in, like, this isn't my, I'm taking it. So I shot a picture, and I said, Susie, that just, I don't know, but that is remarkable, and it just moves me. And she goes, well, let me tell you a story then. So this is a 12-year-old girl from the nation of Nigeria named Lydia. Okay? Lydia Sorry. I didn't expect to get emotional. Um, so her father is killed by the Boko Haram. You know, a, a, a militant um, Muslim organization seeking after a, a pure Islamic state ruled under Sharia law. That's their aim. And so throughout um, parts of Nigeria and parts of, of Africa, they're, they're powerful. She sees it, you know, traumatic event. Um, she's now raised by her mom. And um, what is moved, that moves us alone just to know that someone would have to endure that kind of affliction. But Susie shares with me uh, like a little question answer thing as she had a conversation with Lydia. You see, she spends hours with each person. And this is just a little bit of a, she said, let me, let me tell you, these are some things she responded to. She says, um, I was born, this is her, I was born, um, sorry. I was born to the family of Mr. and Mrs. Gombo. I'm the first child of my parents. I was three years old when my father was killed by the Boko Haram. I've been living with my mother ever since my father died. And God has been using people to bless me and my mother. God makes ways for me. God takes care of me. But that's fine. But then, and that's awesome. But then she says, what do you like about God's word? And she says that God, that God loves and cares for us. What's your favorite thing about God? That he loves me and I love him too. 
what do you like about being here? And the here was the area where they help um, those that have been victims of this kind of horrendous life and, and help restore widows and educate. And it's a very large compound with a school and, and protection from the outside elements. What do you love about being here? She says, um, uh, she says, or I like, do you like to be here? She says, she says, yes, because I like going to school every morning and I like to eat. Okay, this is cool. When you grow up, what do you want to do? She says, I want to work. I want to be a pilot. And I want to fly anywhere. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Dreams are still intact. It gets better. Not this one, but it's kind of funny. What's your favorite food? Fried rice. (laughs) What's your favorite animal? A dog. Good for her. Um, What's your favorite Bible verse? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I learned that here. What's your favorite subject in school? Agricultural science and home economics. I like this girl. Do you want to have children? Oh, a big yes. That's important. That's important. Because someone who is crushed, someone who has an identity of affliction, does not want to bring other people into the world. They don't want to work. They don't have dreams. This is the hand of God working perseverance and resilience in a real life. What do you want to do for God? I want to preach his word to people, to anyone, everywhere. See, I, I, don't, I don't share that just to evoke emotion from you. That's a real life story that just happened this week in light of some of the stuff that I was studying. And every day when I go into my office, I look at that beautiful picture and now I have a story that reminds me of it. Every day, I'm going to continue to put one foot in front of the other. I'm not giving up. Affliction is real, but it doesn't define me. Affliction happens. It's difficult, but it's not my destiny. That God has given a perspective to me and to you through his word that continues to help us grow in our resilience. Verse 16 of that 2 Corinthians passage reads like this. So we do not lose heart. Nor did Lydia, this precious girl, did not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Some of you are going to say a great amen to this one. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Here's the New Testament perspective in light of Jesus. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look to the things that are are seen... Um, But, sorry, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're moving. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So much more going on. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12. I feel like I quote this like every Sunday. So I'm just going to read it this Sunday instead of quoting it. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so closely clings to us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set out before us. Looking to who? To Jesus. That's what lament does. It helps us to acknowledge the pain, but it gets our eyes in prayer onto our destiny, onto Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, 
and yet is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I could probably stop there and we could pray and we should and we will in just a minute, but there's that last little bit of the psalm that just kind of nags at me a little bit. Because this psalm um, says, and now, man, would you deal with all the people who I hate and who hate me? And you know, if you really look at this, it's kind of grateful for um, this reality in the Bible that we get to see human emotion and human expression. And, and really what I think this last part is, um, I think that this psalm ends with an honest and passionate plea for justice. And it's not a selfish thing, I don't think. I don't think it's like, hey, they messed with me, go get them, God. God's not like your gangster God who's just going to take out people who got in your way or whatever else. You know, sometimes we can try to pray strategically that he removes this person so he can put that person in. That's dangerous territory, playing chess like that. I think that, that the, the area that Scripture would have us to, to be is submitted to the will of God. And clearly, those who, who bring affliction upon others, and especially his chosen people, as they were writing in context of this, that that is not the will of God. And so what they were simply saying is, God, do your will. And they were saying it through really raw terms. And so what I want to encourage you in is in your prayer life, you're allowed to say anything to God. He will not be offended. He knows you inside and out. He knows your heart. But I also want to tell you, you got to be careful what you say in the midst of your affliction when you're just speaking. Lament is not telling everyone everything that's going on and looking for validation to that pain. That's not what lament is. Lament is, is crying out and, and defining those sorrows before God so that he can come and help you bring a Christ-like perspective. So please don't, don't get this message wrong as if it were some type of entitlement to be able to go, yeah, you know what happened to me? Oh, I can one-up that. That happened to me. And let's go get him. Yes, there's a place to talk to a trusted counselor, like I had said. But do you hear, my, do you hear the, the, the important differences there? This is raw before God. This is, may God, may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backwards. The, the, the prayer could be interpreted like whatever that plan was that was meant to be contrary to your will, turn that thing backwards. Whatever the attempt of the enemy is, reverse that thing so that it doesn't impact more people. Stop them in their tracks is maybe another way of saying it. It says in verse 6, Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which the reaper does not fill his hand in the binder and the sheaves of his arm, um, um, nor do they pass by and say, which withers away before we'll grow up. Basically what it's saying is this. Let that be so insignificant, whatever they're doing, that it's not even worth mowing. Not even worth mowing it. It's just dead before it starts. And there's more that we could go into it, but... but, um, but but make it insignificant. Make it powerless. And then this last part, it would be a common saying in that time period when it's a very agricultural place. When you walk through a beautiful field that's um, ripe and growing, you would make a comment like, God bless you and God bless this. Right? This is kind of, and, and the, 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 art, the artist, the author is saying, like, you know, make their deal so, like, powerless that they don't ever, ever even get to hear that, right? It's like they're fruitless or efforts and no cause for blessing. It says in the psalm, um, make it so that it withers, that the blessing of the, that they'll never hear these words, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. I would say that all that raw language and whatever it was intended to be in prayer and whatever's raw in your heart, give it to God. 
Give it to God. But as we're trying to, to pull out application for us, I think it's fair to pray that the will of God would be done. I think it's fair to pray against anything that is contrary to the will of God. And I think that's a way that we could sum up and do that pastoral attempt to tie a little bow on something that's a little untidy. Are you with me? So as we're, um, as we're coming to a place of conclusion, I, I, I would like to invite our, our worship team to come back. And, and um, I want to remind you of those three key words. And maybe throughout the week, it's something that you might want to explore a little bit. I don't know that we've talked a lot uh, as a church about lamenting until I, I came into this passage and really thought it through. I thought, I don't know that I've done many passages or sermons, or, but maybe that's something for you to explore a little bit. What, what does the Bible say about it? When you get into that book, I love in Lamentations where it has that, that portion that talks about the mercy of God that's new every morning and its steadfast love that's so great. It's not a depressing book that you just are reading, but, but maybe there's an understanding of, of what that might need to look like in your life. Instead of sweeping it under the rug, instead of denying it, instead of trying to explain it, acknowledging it before God, and where needed, calling upon someone who might help you to do that and draw your attention towards the Lord. Secondly, that, that you would look about perseverance. I had a real strong sense in my heart, and I, 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 I would say I... I think it's something that the Lord placed on my heart that there might be some that are in the room that are just like, man, I'm right there ready to just give up. Whether it's giving up on the Christian life, whether it's giving up on a relationship that you shouldn't give up on, whether it's um, just struggling deeply with hurts and pains and just over it. I think the Bible today, the word of the Lord today is persevere. Hang on. And then third and finally, that resilience. Um, being willing to show up. Being willing to lean into the things that God's doing in your life, realizing that he's producing something, that bounce back, that ability for you to be tough. That you're far tougher than you think. You're capable of far more than you know, emotionally and physically. And so as we consider these things, um, I thought that first song that we sang was a powerful one. That Christ is our firm foundation, and he's the rock on which we stand, and that he will not fail you, that you can bank on the faithfulness of God in the midst of adversity, through affliction, whatever it is that we face, you can bank on the character and nature of God. He is faithful. Do you believe that? Let's sing that, let's declare that, and let's take a moment to just consider what the Lord might say to you through today's message as we've read this song. Would you stand with me, and they'll lead us in this song.
like to read this over you. Here's the psalm. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel say now. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. But hear this. Yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backwards. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have cut the cords of wickedness, that that the, the afflictions that have come our way have not prevailed against us. That your word gives us a perspective, it gives us lenses to look through. That while we can't explain somebody else's experience or, or make it all better with words, you can come and heal our hearts and you can redeem painful things and turn them into resilience and turn them into perseverance. You're faithful and true and you're good and you will never let us down. Even when others might, you won't. And so we look to you. We look to you with our laments. We look to you for the help that we need. We look to you for the songs that we sing. God, you're faithful in every way and I bless your people. God, I bless them. I bless the ones who are on the brink of just giving up. I pray hope and I speak hope into your life now. The, the, the hope that is there in God's word, the same hope that that picture of that little girl that you saw on the screen, the same hope that she has to dream again, to want to fly anywhere as a pilot, to want to have children, to want to preach the word of God because of the resilience that was born inside of her through affliction that she experienced, but through the redemption of God's hand in her life. Lord, may you redeem stuff now. God, would you bring your Holy Spirit? Move in our hearts, move in our lives. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you. You're good and you'll never fail us. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen.